0: as ever, you're all very welcome to the Enduro World Series podcast. My name is Rick McLaughlin, and I'm lucky enough to have not one, but two guests with me this week. The first, as ever, is Rory Cunningham. Rory, big weekend for Scotland in the rugby. Uh, Have you been celebrating at all? Have you come down yet?
1: Well, um, an homage to yourself, Rick, celebrated by having a couple of Guinness. Uh, So yeah, really good, really good uh, victory for Scotland. Um, I mean... I think we're probably one of the only countries in the world that will celebrate fin- finishing fourth in the Six Nations. But uh, yeah, it was good. Heart rate wasn't quite as high as the England game, but uh, well over 100 for the last few minutes. And uh, yeah, what about yourself? How's, how's your weekend? Well, been? this is
0: it. Um, I'm going to let you into a secret now. I think throughout our friendship, I've been asking you, did you enjoy the rugby at the weekend? And that's literally all I've got. If you ask me something about the rugby back, I've got nothing to give you because I don't know when about it. But, um, yeah, no, I had a good weekend, non-rugby related. Um, let's now introduce this week's guest, and it is none other than Ken Avery from Victoria Tires. Ken, you're in Boston, so I guess if anywhere in the States is going to be into rugby, it's Boston, isn't
2: it? Yeah, I mean, you would think Boston's a pretty international city. Um, man, I've always been horrible at ball sports, which is why I ride bikes. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't be yeah, honest Rory's, with you.
0: Ruri's in, in the minority then. Uh um, right. Uh, I'm
1: horrendous at golf. That's a ball sport. So yeah. funny, man.
2: Yeah, I'm also like 165 pounds of fury, so I'd probably get smashed pretty quick if I played rugby. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I
0: made the mistake of being quite sort of short and dumpy at school, which if you're short and dumpy and have no interest in rugby, you get kind of wheedled out for like guys who are like six foot seven and like already shaving and stuff to slam into, and that <laughs> puts you off rugby even further.
1: Um, you just gotta be faster than everybody else if you're short. I was I was short I was just quicker than everybody else, so um yeah, didn't get smacked. Yeah, was, I was
0: only ever quick. I was only ever quick of us being chased. Um wait, right, we've got the Celtic polite <laughs> We've got the we've got the Celtic politeness out of the way. Let's introduce uh, Ken properly. Ken, um tell us what it is that you do at Vittoria.
2: Um well I mean I, I basically work in product development. Um my title is senior vice president of product. Uh, for Victoria Global, but really what that means is that we, we just try to make products for, for people who want to use them and, and, you know, make the the experience more enjoyable, increase performance, um, increase durability, all that stuff. So I basically work with athletes, uh, develop new products, and then kind of share the story.
0: Well, Victoria, uh, we should obviously point out our partner, the Interior World Series and the EWSA A Ruri, you're under a bit of pressure now because Ken is on the call, but with your extensive uh, experience of bike racing behind you, we got to run Vittoria Tyres last year. Um, We ran the Matzes and the Martellos in Pietra and Finale. What did you make of them?
1: Yeah, it was um, obviously like Tyres are something that's quite a, I would say like a crucial part of of bike setup. And um, yeah, I mean, I think, anything new like that you're always going to um be intrigued to see how it is the the patterns and the, and the tread patterns i'm pretty familiar to a few other manufacturers i've run before but um yeah we got on great with them uh i thought the martello was really really good we were primarily using it um on the rear for e-bikes but um yeah some good sizing like the kind of 2.6 widths um gave you a lot of kind of support and uh yeah certainly the martello on the back is a as a tire for climbing gave you a really big contact patch and uh, yeah very predictable um no issues so yeah we we got on great I it? think
0: yeah I think one of the things that I've learned about going to finale over the years is that like there isn't for me anywhere as tough on tires as finale like you go to finale at the start of that week and if we do you know course previews and we do a couple of holiday bits on the course and maybe you're riding down between the pros and practice or something, it doesn't take you long to get through a rear, well especially a rear tyre especially as much as I'm skidding down stuff mm. so to actually, we got we got back and unloaded the bikes and I was actually really impressed with how much like material there was left on the tyre, especially given that they were grippy as well, do you know what I mean it's normally a place I would expect to get off a plane and find that there's a few side knobs missing and stuff and but just yeah, you're right. I mean, in terms of uh, bike setup, I don't think I don't think there's anything more polarizing and up for debate than tires, is there? But people are people are really tribal mm. about them. Do you find this, Ken?
2: Oh god, yeah. I mean, uh, it's crazy. And the thing is, you know, people they go to mountain biking because they like it. You know, they want to they want to have a good time. They want to make sure that their stuff works when they have that little window of time to go ride their bike. And so it makes sense. Um, the other thing about mountain bike tires is that obviously it's so specific to the terrain. Uh, I've actually done uh, uh, some testing over in that region as well. I, I got to go to Verazzi and, and that whole area there in Italy. It's actually one of my favorite places in the world. Um, and I did a bunch of testing there for durability. Um, and we did it down in an enduro course and uh, over a couple of days. And uh, yeah, I mean, that stuff's abrasive there. Uh, that definitely chews through tires really quick. Um, on the topic of like just you know superstition and kind of having it be sort of a subjective thing I mean it, it makes sense so much of it comes down to riding style and just trust and making sure that you trust your equipment um, I'm a I'm a rider I've been I've been mountain biking for over 30 years uh, I was, yeah, tell, us, uh, tell
0: us a bit about your background actually Ken because you used to race at a pretty decent level didn't you
2: yeah, I, I mean, whatever. I had a UCI license back in the day. And I don't, I don't mean to sound like Uncle Rico right now. But you know, it's one of those <laughs> things where it's like, you know, I, I still ride every day. I'm, I'm riding tonight. Um, and, um, you know, it's the kind of thing that is, I think, really critical when you're doing product design, because your design needs to be authentic, it needs to be relatable, you need to actually solve problems for your riders and so i look at it that way you know i don't look at it as something where it's just like a product it's something that i want to make sure that i believe in and and that other athletes have tested and and it it, if it passes my experiences and their experiences then um you know i know we have something that's pretty good but yeah i used to race downhill um and uh i mean as as everybody does i started racing cross country but I love the gravity stuff. And, and so being on being on your podcast right now is like a huge uh, honor to me and I'm super psyched to be here uh, and kind of share those experiences. But, you know, in terms of just like pure tire design and like durability, what you're talking about makes a ton of sense. Um, Enduro is about grip, but it's also about endurance, right? I mean, if your tire fails, um, it doesn't do you any good. And um, so it's a, it's a pretty critical piece. And so um, it's pretty cool that you mentioned that region that you tested in.
0: Although it's definitely, I just, I think it's that kind of like really just abrasive rock that just seems to to pull tires apart. And we do see it there year after year, you know, people having tire issues. Ruri, just from your experience then as a racer, um, how fundamental are tires really in terms of going
1: fast between the tapes? I mean, they're the, you know, they're the only point that your bike's actually in contact, contact with the dirt, right? So, you um, know one of if not the most crucial um kind of component of the bike uh it's interesting kind of hearing what ken says i think um i've i've rode for um maxis in 2011 and then i've done some work with trek with Bontrager, and stuff and something that always came up and was quite a funny little analogy was grip roll speed protection pick Pick two
2: yeah totally (laughs) absolutely
1: And it's, it's, it's a really, it's like, it's quite a funny little saying, but it's so true, isn't like, if you want, if you want grip and you want protection, then it's going to have to be pretty heavy and pretty, it's going to therefore roll slow. If you want, you know, roll speed and protection, you're going to have to go with a high, like a harder compound of rubber. So you're going to sacrifice grip. And, um, yeah, I think as, as a racer, um, what we kind of, uh, want out of a tire, um, also isn't necessarily what the consumer wants from the tire, right? Is in like if you're um, fortunate enough to race as a professional, um, as long as your tires getting you to the end of the race and it's got good grip and it's predictable, you don't care that it's, you know, fifty pound or I mean probably like seventy five dollars plus a tire because you're not paying for them. But if you're paying for, you know, a pair of new tires and that's, you know, hundred pounds, hundred and fifty dollars, that kind of thing, then you don't want it to last a weekend. You want it to last longer a month whatever and um so yeah i think it's it's tricky i don't think racers and consumers necessarily want and require the same um the same things um but for obviously for tire manufacturers getting that balance right and accommodating for both can be can be pretty tricky but i guess ken you You've probably got a little bit more
2: experience on that and you can kind of yeah, man, break you, it Yeah, dude, you just covered so much. Um, yeah, I'll just say this. So um, one of the brands that you mentioned that you used to ride for, uh, I worked for, for for a long time and I did a lot of their product. And so I'm very familiar with that. Um, on the other side, um, you know, we work with a lot of manufacturers um, that we actually produce for. Um, And I'll just leave it at that. Um, But basically, um, so we see a whole kind of breadth of of products um, in the industry, in our own testing as far as uh, that goes, but also in our own manufacturing. Um, And then our own product line, Vittoria. I mean, um, you know, it's funny, we started the Vittoria conversation with durability, but as you mentioned, to a racer, especially at a high level, somebody racing in EWS, it's, it's all about performance. It, to your point, it's, it's, it's not about, like, oh, does this last four months? <laughs> like, they don't care. It's about <laughs> racing, right? So um, the cool thing is Vittoria, the word Vittoria, means victory uh, in Italian. And a lot of people don't know that. Um, I certainly didn't know that. For We were in Italy, and I didn't.
1: We were in Italy
2: and I didn't know. <laughs> right? I'm
0: going. I'm going to keep quiet because if you keep quiet in situations like
2: this, it sort of implies that you did know that. Uh, no, dude! Uh, believe me, dude. You I'm, anything, I'm, there, I'm used to being like a dumb American in like these these <laughs> meetings, so it's all good. Like so, but my point is like um, the Victoria's history as a brand is is all about racing. Um, obviously, we're new to the EWS scene, but like uh, just this year, if you look at the classics, the spring classic road races. We've won half of them, um, and and of the races that we didn't win, we we're we we're on podiums either second or third uh, of the ones we didn't win, and and then the ones beyond that, the tires probably came out of our factory anyway. So I mean, like we're we're no stranger to racing, and I mean just this past year mm-hmm. we won World Cross Country Championships, uh, and and the Tour de France. So like I you know I don't know of another brand has won the Tour as well as World XC. Uh, championships in the same year. I mean, that's pretty crazy to think about. So our, our manufacturing has, you know, all this background and, uh, our factory has the quality, uh, and, and we own our own factory and all that. So, I mean, it's the kind of thing where we can really control and test what we're, what we're making and, uh, cater it towards the needs of any rider doing any sort of racing, in general, but I mean, you know, we're really focusing in on uh, EWS now, and um, also the e-bike conversation, which I guess we'll probably get into in a bit. But um, the reason I bring all this up is um, that magic triangle you're talking about, right? Grip, speed, durability. That's something we talk about constantly, and and it's totally true. It's really hard to design something around that, and and we have brought a few things forward. Uh, that we can get into uh, when the time is right. So, yeah, I mean, I definitely want to speak to that because, you know, as I mentioned, like our heritage is about racing and about performance. Um, Durability is something we've tried to, um, and successfully so, brought forward uh, without sacrificing that performance. So it's a tricky, tricky thing to do.
0: Is it um, it a tough thing? Is what Rory touched on earlier, you know, the the gulf, the split between consumer and racer, is that something that could I mean of obviously you think about motorsport, there are, you know, tires available that are done within a very short time frame. Is that something that could be the future of it, or does the sort of do the distances involved in Enduro kind of limit how soft and tacky you can make a tire?
2: I think the answer is somewhere in between. I mean, um you know, you could certainly make a tire that would last you a weekend. Um and the thing about it is is that as the tire wears um, you got to kind of look at how it's wearing because most most tires in mountain bike are not going to wear like a car tire would, which is to say from the surface down to the casing. Most mountain bike tires, if you make them too soft, they're going to flex at the base. Um, and then like the knob will just rip right off your casing. So it's a tricky thing to do. And, and, and that's the reason we have a couple of technologies that we can dig into. But the other thing to think about, you know, in terms of like the sort of the everyman rider, the, the regular like enthusiast person, um, versus like a pro racer um, is actually the equipment is not that different these days. I mean, you know, in the car scene, like you don't see people driving out of the grocery store in an <laughs> F1 car, right? However, you go to a local mountain bike trail and you'll see people with like super nice componentry and carbon bikes and stuff that they don 't need to go mountain biking, but they they enjoy it and it 's accessible to them and, and it enhances their ride, so they they go for it right so it's actually the difference between like the top end performance and enthusiasts is actually pretty narrow in cycling, if you think about it that way um, so it
0: definitely is hmm. really is there any you must have some some tyre stories from your days, at, you know, as a racer. Is there any sort of time that tyres made a big difference for you, whether that's in a positive fashion or I'm actually kind of hoping in a negative fashion? But go on.
1: <laughs> I've actually got some pretty funny ones. I mean, in my early days, uh, the famous Champerry World Cup, where uh, where Sam Hill um, came down right at the end and, and destroyed a, well, didn't destroy everybody, but he had he had he a good he had a good goal
0: destroying everybody, yeah.
1: I had a good cro- had a good crack at it, but um, yeah, I was a junior and I think I'd qualified 11th, and the juniors were in with the elites at that time, so it was pretty pretty kind of good kind of result for me. And then I was full privateer; I was riding a bike that my parents had bought me, and um, I, I had got a set of pretty worn high rollers that were probably my tyre for the weekend kind of thing. So I'm at the top of the mountain, and this rain shower just rolls in out of nowhere, and <laughs> having qualified 11th, I'm surrounded by like all the pros at the time, so there's all these pros like running around screaming like, put spikes on, get me roll offs, like get me tear offs. <laughs> like put the you know, put, put an extra lens on my peak and I'm stood there with like my bottle of blue power thinking, thinking, well, I don't really, I don't I might I might take a couple of PSI out of <laughs> And uh, Truth be told, I made it a good kind of minute and a half, two minutes. Um at quite a good speed mostly because i couldn't slow down You're no option um, yeah
2: right.
1: yeah and then i I tipped off the trail and uh got my gloves dirty and finished about seven minutes behind sam hill but uh that was probably like the <laughs> that was probably quite an extreme version of when a tire's not great um I think, you know, if we're going towards enduro, like I...
0: Yeah, would you say, like, when, when I race, enduro, would you say, you know, you, you were saying downhill, you've got one run there, that tyre yeah. choice can make all mm. the difference, whereas in enduro, you can be out for 50k on, you know, the same set of yeah. tyres, so does that kind of limit that kind of quick-swapping mentality?
1: It, it definitely does. I mean, I've had races, like EWS races, where the tech zone between... Um, between stages, I'll like go the go the tech zone and mechanical quickly like trim the center knobs. Uh, I did that in Whistler just because I knew the last stage was gonna be because it's long and there's some climbing and it's you don't really require a huge amount of grip on the rear. You want the, the roll speed that I got in the trim in the middle, so it was more like a semi slick. I think the biggest kind of well the standout one for me was in Ainsa where I had that famous
0: wheel gates last week. I think there is actually a wasn't there a whole feature on Pinkbike about how that wheel was rebuilt and like stitched together and yeah that was
1: yeah what do you do with the tire? the tire would have to be glued on was it yeah so well the tire so i don't know if you remember that answer race but the the first stage was like 30 it was probably 13 to 15 minutes long really flat um and i was like this is 100 percent about roll speed there were a couple of shorter stages that were a bit rougher later in the day but i was like Mm -hmm. you're gonna you know i mean if i back off a little bit on the last few stages i can make it up in the first stage if you know what i mean by running a a lighter tire with a, a harder compound so being on bond trigger that would be an, an se5 versus a g5
0: mm-hmm.
1: so i had an se5 on the back first stage went well i think i was around 10th i think i was about sixth on the next stage so i was i was in the top 10 i think i was maybe seventh sixth or seventh going into the third stage and it still wasn't exactly that rough and halfway down it i just popped over this little crest and there was a rock and i was running like a i mean se5s might as well be the sidewalls might as well be made of paper and uh i just tied the rock and just blew out straight away and uh you know i, I lost over a minute on that stage and then my wheel was wrecked and i tried to zip tie my wheel uh zip tie my tire to my wheel for the next stage mm. and it popped off halfway down and um, yeah, somehow the big man T West got the wheel back running, but from that point on I was banned from using uh, SE fives yeah. because it was too much of a hack. What, what, what you following weekend of, what you're actually saying there is that the fl- you were you were
0: banned from making your own decisions. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. And I I think it was like it's a good example of that like that middle ground being too big is an SE five was fast and it rolled quick and
2: you know one thing really that
1: the, the rubber compound was hard and it didn't have a lot of support whereas the g5 to pedal it around for a full day especially in the heat of like spain was pretty hard going because it was just a full-on um you know 1500 gram downhill tire so um yeah it's it's, it's a real balance so um yeah and i, I think something that something we spoke about earlier is like a, quite a tricky uh, balance for, for tire manufacturers to actually um, get right.
2: One of the things that I always say uh, in our meetings is define what fast is. Um, fast could mean rolling on a street. Fast could mean rolling on dirt. But really, what it comes down to is minimizing the time it takes you to get through a stage, right? Whatever that means. Mm. So, like, people will say, oh, our mud tires fast. Well, they're fast in the mud, but they're not fast on hard pack, right? Because, like, it comes down to that whole, yeah. like, terrain-specific kind of application, right? So, like, mud tire, you're going to have, like, very little surface area on top of each spike. Um, so you're going to be skating around on, like, hard pack and rocks and stuff. But, it, you know, likewise, when you when you were using, like, you know, those, like, hard pack tires and, in, in, like, a muddy, rainy race, um, that wasn't fast either, right? So... It, it all comes down to that and, and having a choice that's going to be fast for whatever you, you need it to be fast in. Right. It's kind of specific in that way. Mm. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, a yeah. that's a huge part of it. One, did you ever race Mount snow world cup Vermont? Uh,
1: no, I, I think it was a little bit before my time, but I've certainly seen, um, I've certainly seen kind of videos of it from, from, back in the day and it looked uh looked pretty good the reason
2: i mentioned that that was and i'm I'm super old even like talking about mount snow but like anyway the uh that was uh sort of the golden era of you know downhill racing and and uh i raced that for like 14 years or whatever um it was crazy um but my the reason i mentioned it was because up top it was like super high speed like granite slabs um and and then like in the middle there'd be trees And then at the end, there was this like crazy steep, rocky, muddy, rooty section. Um, Everybody called it yard sale. And um, (laughs) because basically like, you'd get like the top of the top people, like World Cup people come, and uh, they'd they'd just like look at it and be like, where's the line, you know what I mean? And uh, some local dude would just like rip down it. Um, But it was funny, the reason I mentioned any of this is because of the variance, just in that one three minute downhill run. Um, you had so much so much variety of terrain that you had to kind of overcome. And that's really where uh, a lot of my kind of initial tire design thought process happened, even as a kid. Because, I mean, I started racing when I was like 13. So, I mean, you know, it's the kind of thing where you got to think about, like, I have like as a teenager, right? You roll in and just like you, man, you know, I'm like on this bike that like my parents helped me buy from mowing lawns all summer, you know what I mean? And like I got like some like smokes or something or something silly before like real tires really had come out and, and uh, you're kind of clipping grooves in them just cause that's what you had, you know, and, and trying to make the most of it. And, and these days you have, the bikes are so good now and the tires have come so far um, but we're still doing these little tricks of the trade to make sure that you have the best thing for that day.
0: Can I just can I just point mm-hmm. out? If I was a pro, I would a hundred percent be all about the trim the tires. Mm-hmm. That would be if there was a guy who was there to look after me for the weekend. Bike in, yeah, take every other side and off, off the left hand side, leave the right. I just get really. <laughs> there's nothing. There's nothing more pro than seeing people clipping tires in a a, a mountain bike race pit, but. Ken, I know from a bit of past experience of talking to people who are involved in tires that they're colossally, colossally difficult to produce, aren't they? It's, it's a, such a long, drawn-out process, and the molding mm. and things like that take a long time. Can you tell us a bit about the process that goes into designing a tire to a tire being on one of our bikes?
2: Absolutely, yeah. It's... it's um it's an investment and it's a long process. So you want to make sure that you do it right every step of the way. And, and, um, it's not as simple as like, you know, kind of experimenting early stage, you really got to do your homework on it. Um, so yeah, I mean, typically it takes, um, you know, 18 months or so from kind of start to to finish. And what I mean by finish is get something to test and then usually test it for, you know, a season before you release it. So it can take, you know, year and a half, two years kind of thing to really get something out. Um, And that process is really about, as I said earlier, you know, solving problems for people. So speaking with athletes, uh, you know, in whatever discipline you're designing for and saying, Hey, you know, what do you need? Not just from our product line, but like, what do you need in general? Like what, what do your tires, you know, not do that they need to do to make you go faster. And it could be this that magic triangle thing we talked about earlier, right? But it, it could be anything like that, where it's you know it seems impossible. They'll be like, well, wouldn't it be great if we? I, I want that kind of feedback, you know. I mean, um, when we test, the worst feedback you can get is yeah, everything's great, because you mm-hmm. you actually want you want to actually know what you can improve. Um, and so, you know, it, you start with kind of just a general like, okay, we need a tire that does this right or we need say even an all-arounder which is actually the hardest tire to design um and um you know and then from there you'll do some initial sketches based on other stuff that has been used uh that works and you kind of fix the problems that those other tires didn't you know address and then um what you do is uh you make a you know a 3d drawing and then we'll do like a 3d print like rapid prototype kind of plastic model and those are really cool because they are true to scale you can print them in rubber but i'd never do that because i don't want people to actually think that's our compound <laughs> so like i'll put them in this like super hard plastic I'll, sh- I'll show you one right now actually they look like this um and uh oh, cool. so it's like a cross section of the tire it literally is like a six inch plastic chunk of tire essentially right and that'll actually clip right on your rim and then from there you can take like measurements and all that stuff you can actually like put that in a rim and like mount it on, on, you know, your bike and say, Oh, this is what it looks like when I'm like, you know, looking down at it or whatever. Um, and, and it just is really cool because you can, you can manipulate the profile and, and the spacing and everything in that stage. And then just print another one and printing it only takes, you know, a day. So it's like, uh, once we get that, we'll make a few of those and send them back around to that kind of core group of athletes that we're working with for whatever project. And pretty much with any project, you have a core group of athletes. Victoria has a huge roster, um, you know, just in different disciplines. Um, maybe not as huge in EWS, but we're getting there. We have some. We have some people we're working with this year that you'll probably see behind the scenes. I'm, I'm just going to kind of leave it at that. But. Uh, basically, you know, in cross country, you know, we have obviously the Absalon team and, um, the new Santa Cruz FSA team, and then got on the road and, and, uh, it's just insane how many teams we have, um, there and it's been great, but it's critical. It's critical for this product development process because, um, you know, it, it, as much as it makes it difficult for me, um, having a lot of cooks in the kitchen at the end, what you can do is you can kind of pull out the common things. And, um, and, you know, there's going to be some outliers, like somebody has like a bad memory of this, like one race. And so they want to design and it's like, okay, that's cool to know about. But at the end of the day, you want to pull out all the common things and make sure that you address the, you know, the topics that are everybody, uh, you know, always mentions in the process. And then, um, eventually when you get to a point where, you know, you're confident, then you pull the trigger and you make a mold out of it. And, um, so at that point, then we will basically try to hide it as best we can while we're testing it. But at the same time, it's critical to test it at a high level um, because that's where you're riding at a, at a level that you will not ride in testing. You know, r- racing at a, at a high level is a notch above everything else. And I think you guys would probably agree with that. But, um, and if it passes muster there, then, then you, you have a good product and, and um, at that point, Um, usually we have race results, uh, before we even launch a product. Um, I mean, a a classic example, we were actually launching a road product on Friday and, um, we've already, we, we've won a a bunch of races with it already. (laughs) I mean, so it's great. It's, it's great to have that built in. I mean, I remember being at the interbike trade show and, um, uh, we won XC Worlds uh, in 2015, and uh, we were launching products like two weeks later. It was crazy to be like, this. one Worlds. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's pretty cool. Uh, so to a scenario, things. really, isn't it? For a
0: marketing <laughs> to... person, that's the dream.
2: Yeah, I mean, it doesn't happen every time, that's for sure. But, you know, it's it can happen if you, if you do the process in a way that is truly reflective of what the rider needs. It's not just a commercial thing. It, it really has to come back to the rider in that way.
0: Um, what's the, what are the key factors then you're looking at? Looking at tread design, compound, um, I guess sidewall as well. What are the sort of the main things that you're playing with as a designer?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's going to be those three factors, right? It's going to be, the tread design is going to be the number one thing um, because everything else is, is once you have that mold, you can kind of manipulate the compound that you put in the mold. Uh, you can manipulate the casing that you lay in the mold Um, but you know, the tread design is going to be the the defining factor of the tire. Any, any tire you name, you're not talking about the compound or the casing. You're talking about the tread if you name a tire, right? So, um, the, the tread design is going to be the number one factor. And then from there, um, obviously compound is a super close second because obviously if you don't have the correct compound designed with the tread, it's not going to work properly. And I think a lot of people, even designers don't think about it that way. Um, you know, if you have certain dimensions and tread depth on a mountain bike tire and and you have the wrong compound in it, it's going to be way too stiff or way too soft. Obviously, it sounds simple, right? But at the end of the day, it's stiff or soft because of how that tread flexes. So you have to actually design the tread around the compound that you're using or that you intend to use or within sort of a, a, a pretty narrow range. And then the casing itself is is something that, um, you know, it's going to be sort of have to work in harmony with the other with the other factors there, uh, and and uh, be tuned to whatever purpose you're using. Right? So, like enduro racing, um, it's got to be light enough, but it's got to be durable enough. Um, and you know, downhill is all about speed, grip, durability. Um, cross country is a lot about weight and being kind of like how light can you get away with and still have dependability. Um, so each each category is going to be a little different in that way but um, the casing is certainly not like a third thing or an outlier and in that way it also has to be designed as as a part of this package Um, but it's definitely something that um, you know you can change once you have uh, a mold done
0: rary what was the most what was the most important thing for you as a racer then whenever you were talking about tire choice with tyler or whoever it was um,
1: I think honestly for me it was more about it was more about predictability than it was all out grip like uh, some tyres I've ridden where like they were super super grippy but they just weren't predictable like they, they just had a really like like a real cliff edge to the, to the kind of limit of the grip whereas um, other tyres would maybe start to wash or so they start to lose traction a little bit more um, or a little bit earlier but it was like more of a, more of like a linear, mm-hmm. like loss of traction. Like you kind of, you could get it. You could kind of feel it going onto that edge, rather than just you know clean off it. Um, obviously that's um, you know there we're talking about predominantly. If enduro, we're talking predominantly about performance in stages. Mm-hmm. Uh, but something I also factored into, and I think this is where um, as a discipline, it's it's quite difficult to design a perfect tire for it because you need. The grip and the performance on the the gravity kind of stages but you also need to be able to ride it for six seven hours a day and and you know have the this the roll speed and the, the the kind of the ability to to pedal it around the course right so i definitely factored that in as well like i would tend to try and use a, a slightly less grippy or like a more of a a tyre more towards pe- pedalling efficiency and roll speed on the rear um, because I felt that the roll speed and the amount of energy that would save me in the day was more beneficial than running two heavy grippy tyres front and rear Yeah, and that depends on venues as well like if we look at somewhere like Ainsa where for example it was quite flat and quite peddly. um, you got that predictability on the front but yeah, the kind of the rear uh, pretty light and um would kind of age you in the flatter stages if we look at the other side of somewhere maybe like La where it's you know 12 minutes of just gradient like 45 <laughs> yeah, yeah um you're you're just gonna you know what i mean you're gonna just run to the you're, you're gonna basically and then a lot of lift access so you're not going to pedal up every hill um you're probably going to gear towards um 100 performance on the way down so and i think that's the beauty of it i think that's i think that's the, the beauty of enduro is like it there isn't a perfect one size fits all when it comes to not just bikes but t- tires as well, like everything. So um, I'm sure it gives you a bit of a headache, Ken, when you're trying to design tires and compounds and everything else around it. It's, but uh, it's a good problem. I think it keeps it exciting. And-
2: yeah, man, it's a good problem to have. It's it definitely keeps it exciting, and and it's the kind of thing where um, you just got to think outside of the box a little bit. I mean, um, you know, there's ways to do this. You talk about a soft tire or a compound that rolls a little faster. And, and, uh, you know, not to say you meant it this way, but like, I think people in general, they think about a tire being like one dimensional in that way. And, uh, in reality, um, you know, our tires, we can put four compounds on, um, you know, it's the kind of thing where, uh, the, the bottom, the base, uh, compound is intentionally made to be a little stiffer than the surface compound so that, the, that base of your tire, uh, is going to be, the, the tread's going to be really stable. And so when you go into that corner, you talked about having the tire, like immediately just wash out or have it be kind of like more of a linear kind of progression as far as where that like limit of traction is. And, and there's ways around that. So, I mean, obviously with like a tread design, just like the design itself, if you were using like one C, you know, it's the, you know, the, the tread would have to be made such that you have like a, a hard edge. You, oftentimes you see, like on our Mazze, you'll see, a really defined side channel between the side knobs and the center tread, um, and that's made for this purpose, so that basically that has room to dig in almost like an edge of a ski, and so you can you can trust it, um, but at the same time, once that digs in right there's this there's this thing that happens where you 're going super hard, you're trusting it, it locks in, you feel it lock in, and then it gets skittery, it starts kind of like understeering, right? It starts drifting. And and what's happening there is that basically that row, that side row of knobs is basically flexing over. Um, and so to to address that, you know, putting a harder base and a softer surface compound keeps that super stable so that uh, it doesn't just flop over because when when a soft compound tire just flops over like that, you have you have traction until a millisecond when you don't. And it's a I've very soft. Sudd- yeah.
0: I can yeah, speak it's for that.
2: Su- yeah. super. It's a super sudden thing, but using a layered compound structure uh, allows you to have a lot more predictability, and it's a lot more lively, and it's a lot more progressive. And so, is that,
0: yeah, is that what you mean? Is that what? Because um, it is. It's one of the things. It's one of the classic sort of sound bites from tire reviews, isn't it? Predictability, and mm-hmm. it is one of the things. I I used to say it myself a lot. I used to run Max's tires because I liked the fact that you could pick up a set. Anywhere in the world, put them on a the bike, whatever model, and there was a predictable feeling to them. They felt like the last set you had. Do you know what I mean? Is that does that come from that sort of blend of compound and where it is on the tire?
2: Yeah, I mean, different brands have different ways to do it, but yeah, at the end of the day, if you find something that works, that goes back to our original kind of topic too, where it becomes like a superstition or something for people they don't want to change. But um, yeah, I mean, you know, it's what works uh, for you in that in that particular kind of environment. Right. And so if, um, you know, if, again, if you're in that place where you're locked in, you're, you're totally loaded in that corner and, and, uh, and the tire hooks up and stays hooked up, it's because the tread grabbed and then the tread stayed stable. Um, if you are in that place where it grabs and then all of a sudden you lose traction in a millisecond, it's because basically the outer knobs folded over and then the entire thing understeers, Because essentially, like, the cleat um, folds over sideways, and so it's not kind of spiking straight down into the ground anymore. So layering compounds, one way to kind of get around that, where you put a harder base and then it progressively goes softer towards the the surface. And that also is a way to have your tires wear from the surface down to the casing. Because if you have, like, a just a single compound um, tire that – that isn't designed with this in mind, I mean, cause some single compound tires are designed with this in mind, but some of them aren't, um, you know, then, then you could then get that wrinkling at the base and all that, that you see sometimes with, with tires of different brands. Um, and, um, that's where the tire is just not going to work the way it was designed or the way you actually want it to. And the tire might have like a lot of tread depth on it still, but the second that that happens, it's basically done. Um, the other way, though, to get around that is actually through tread design, and uh, there's ways to. Um, I'm like a, It's funny. It's like this internal joke in Victoria. I talk about siping all the time, and siping. you know, but when you, yeah, when you when you clip your tires, you're you're basically making sipes. A sipe is just like a directional groove. It's like those little those little grooves you see in the tread design. If you look at like a automotive snow tire there'll be these like little interlocking S's, um, these little like S grooves in the snow tire. And those are basically designed to allow a little bit of micro motion at the surface so that you kind of delay that slip um, and and, in doing so you increase traction. You also, when it deforms, it it produces a a couple more little effective edges, which helps. so one of the things that we've done on you know mentioned, you mentioned that Martello tire and also the Mazza tire is uh, progressive sipe width. So this is super dorky. Um, I'm go gonna go, into I'm, I'm, go, go. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna go, go deep. Go. All right. I just I just wanted to give you like a little disclaimer first before I went super <laughs> dork. Um, so again, like you're you're in that place where um, you know you're going into a corner and so you think about your your side tread. Um, and where on the tread that load's actually gonna be distributed. And it's gonna be on that inside effective edge. So like sort of the inside edge of your side knob, right? So when, when that side of the knob gets, gets kind of pushed in that corner, that's, that's where it's gonna deform first. And so in addition to that compound layering, which gives you that progressive flex from the casing up towards the surface, by putting progressive sipe width, actually using a thicker sipe nearer to that effective edge that's, that's taken all that abuse, you can actually make that initial edge softer. So think about this, a, a thicker sipe, like a, a wider groove, right? Will flex more than a thinner sipe because there's just more air inside the groove to collapse, right? So if you look at like a Mazza or a Martello, you'll see the inside effective edge sipe on, on top of that knob is actually fatter and then it gets narrower as it goes towards the outer edge. So it's almost like a the, the knob will kind of like accordion um, closed as it's being loaded in the corner in a lateral direction. Um, but then also you have that compound layering thing we talked about a minute ago. So. You put those two things together, and our tires definitely feel different, but um, once you kind of understand and wrap your head around what's going on, you understand why, um, and it's because of all of that, there are a lot more progressive feeling in that way. It also helps them roll faster, because you can take that progressive sipe width and turn it sideways for the center tread. So you mentioned climbing with a Martello, and you just, it was, you know, you didn't mention why, it just, it was the tire that happened to climb well, right? It's actually because of that progressive sipe width. The leading edge in your center tread is going to do the digging when you climb, right? So we put a thin sipe on that leading edge so that it it has, you know, some some flex. It has it allows a little bit of flex to, to provide that grip, but it doesn't just collapse because you want that hard edge to dig in while you're climbing, right? Now on the breaking edge, the trailing edge of that center knob. Uh, you want that to be nice and gummy because if you're going down some sort of like slick rock or something, you want that to to flex when you hit your brakes. So it's interesting. The center tread actually, in rolling, it's a lot more firm in in the rolling direction forward than it is when you hit your brakes and in the, the load reverses on that knob. I know that was no. a lot. Of, that, that was a lot of dork. Does that make sense to you guys? No, I'm into it. Yeah, no, definitely
0: it does. It's, I, it really. kind of it kind of goes back to one of those things, doesn't it? That we we sort of mentioned at the start is that. I think if you've been into mountain biking for a while everyone has a go-to tire or a go-to sort of pair of tires that you know that's their that's their model and they probably couldn't tell you why Mm -hmm. beyond they like the way it feels and they like the way it performs and i am a big proponent of like your bike should work best where you ride and that's you know you need to get the right tires for the right sort of conditions that you regularly ride in but How big? One of the things that I'm always, always strikes me is that you know, I mean, we've just done it. We've had a big conversation about tires before we've talked about tire pressures. Yeah, how uh, how big a difference? I don't, Rory, is that something like as a racer? Were you ever a bit of a nibbler about tire pressures? Did you have a set that worked best for you? Or I kind
1: of, I kind of always had a like. We, we, I think we've talked in here about having like a base suspension and I always had a base tyre pressure Is mm-hmm. in I'd have uh, for example when I raced for Trek we had the G5 on the front which was a very heavy, very stiff tyre I think it was all one compound um, and I ran that re- really soft so I had like a base of like 21 mm-hmm. and depending on the venue it might drop one or two and go up one or two and then similar for kind of the rear uh, you can kind of I think it's very dependent on not only the terrain you're riding, but the tire you're using as well. Uh, something that we, Ken, you've gone quite a lot into kind of and from the, the actual tread compound and, and maybe the rubber compound, but um, quite a big part of, like, grip from tires uh, is also the kind of, you know, when, when you load in a corner, how the tire kind of, I mean, deforms maybe not the right word, but how the kind of the contact patch gets bigger. Absolutely. It kind of spreads out. Yeah. Um, obviously, if you know if the tire's too soft, then it can start to kind of roll, and you can get that feeling where it effectively rolls off the the outer side of the the rim. Mm-hmm. And then if it's too firm, it, it it kind of can be quite skittery, and um, it doesn't you don't get that planted kind of feeling. Uh, that obviously depends on the, the the speed of the rider, the you know how hard they're, the weight of the rider. So lighter riders tend to use. Um, Less pressure in the tires, um, but I mean, there's there's so many factors, and I think it's there's so much variability. But I think when it comes down to actual pressure, there's probably a pretty limited window or a pretty small window where, like, a tire's at its optimum yep. that would work for that. You could you could kind of make work for the majority of riders. Is, is that what, the yeah?
0: What's the kind of what's the window, Ken? What is the kind of what should you know? What is the Whenever yeah. you're the tire, how do you work out? What a different spread of pressures is going to you
2: know be in that tire. So it's funny. Um, <laughs> there's always a recommended pressure on the sidewall, and I feel like nobody ever reads it. <laughs> you know, nope, it's nope like uh, check
0: sidewall. Yeah,
2: um, you know um, there, but you know people always kind of go. Mountain bikers are hilarious. People would be like, "Oh yeah, I, uh, you know I checked your compound. I, I squeezed it with my fingers." And I'm like, wow, that's scientific. Um, that was, you know, like it's it's hilarious. But then, you know, at the end of the day, you kind of know as a rider, like you doing it long enough, and um, you know, it's the same thing almost with pressure. Like you'll you'll put the gauge on it, and I, I'm like you, man. I, you know, I, I start I start usually kind of looking at my tubeless setups at like around 20 or so. I'm 165 pounds, um, and um, I like to ride technical terrain. Um, I like to take aggressive lines, um, but. You know, so you, you want it basically to be stable, like you're talking about, like in that cornering situation where you don't want the tire to flop under the rim, you know, uh, on the underside of your corner. Um, but you want it to deform to the point, like just before that almost. Right. So, like, you kind of want to run, um, you know, as low as you can get away with without sacrificing stability or just completely destroying rolling resistance. Um, so... Um, yeah, as a designer, it's something that we definitely think about. Uh, ETRTO has actually changed uh, this year. ETRTO, I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with all that. It's basically the European uh, standard organization that uh, kind of advises which rim widths and tire widths go together. That's like the easiest way to say it. Um, And uh, rims are getting wider. And so tires are now being designed around um, wider rims. Whereas, you know, if I told you some of the, the classic tires that I did from 20 years ago, you would be shocked um, cause I know you've ridden them. Um, you would be shocked at how narrow the rim was that it, that was designed on. I mean, they're like road rims now. Um, and, um, so yeah, I mean, that makes a big difference. Uh, the new water rims and the new casing construction, uh, makes a huge difference in tire design. Um, and it allows you to actually run different materials. Like our enduro casing is a, is a different layup. Uh, The Vittoria Enduro casing actually uses, it's a two-ply with an APF insert in the sidewall that actually tapers from the bead up the sidewall. So, again, it's about that progressive feel. We talked about the progressive feel in tread design. We talked about the progressive feel in compound. And now this is the same kind of thing with the progressive feel in casing. So, um, you know, it's you want your suspension to ramp up you know, it's kind of similar in that way with tires, you know, if the tire just, you you hit something and it just went straight to your rim, you're not doing yourself any, any service. So, yeah, I mean, um, in terms of like tire design, it's absolutely critical to factor that in. Right. Let's
0: talk about then the, the big electrical elephant in the room e-bikes. Um, it's definitely something I think that Ruri and I really sort of, um, I guess, experience firsthand when we were in Italy, of course, last year, and really this, the riding you've been doing, working towards the Vittoria EWS and EWSE Tweed Valley, um, getting e-bikes to, well, I guess it's just a different application of forces, isn't it? You've got a different sort of set of parameters, especially, obviously, predominantly at the back wheel. Yeah. What, what challenges do they present, Ken, in terms of what you guys are doing?
2: Uh, the, the, the biggest thing for me, and this is, this might sound crazy. It's actually how a rider rides an e-bike differently than how they ride a regular bike. Um, and I don't know if you, hear me out on this. So okay. like the, the, here's the deal. So like, <clears throat> you know, y- you imagine dirt jumping on like uh, a lightweight bike, right? And it's, you can flick it around and you can be really stylish and like, you know, manipulate kind of everything that's going on, right? Like you can flick the bike in any way you want and you know, Mid air, you can correct and whatever e-bikes are a lot heavier right so people ride them differently um you know where if i go into a section like a rhythm section on a regular bike i'll probably like double 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 out right or something like that or like if i'm if i'm going into a rock garden i'll skitter across the top of the rocks and not actually get between them you kind of stay light on your bike right i find that when i ride an e-bike or like when when a lot of our testers do they just, they manual in the stuff. And it's just like this, like, cack into, like, whatever they're dealing with. And they're just less smooth. And so they take a beating. Yeah. yeah the, you're you're, you're very much
0: just... talking about me there, Ken. I won't take
1: a <laughs> beating. Point in a wreck there. That's definitely what
0: you're doing. I, I don't, I I even, do panty the, panty I don't even do the manual. I just ride into
2: it. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah. So, yeah, because of that, like, you have to kind of design around that and, and make sure that your casing is going to be durable enough to take it, it's actually super tricky because you want things to be durable and, and, and durability and rigidity sometimes go hand in hand. And you don't want the thing to be too rigid, right? Cause then you're going to start sacrificing traction. Um, but you know, and I think that's really where inserts come into play. And so like that trip I took the Verazzi was, was really about testing enduro stuff, but it was also testing inserts on e-bikes um and uh it was something that um you know at, at the end of the day we did this as a lead up to the launch of our vittoria airliner system um and um it's been it's been sort of a game changer in that way uh because it allows you to ride an e-bike like like you're going to ride an e-bike and i'm not saying everybody rides an e-bike as bad as i do but i'm just saying a lot of people get a little. i, prob- bit I probably do i
0: probably ride it as bad as you do If not, <laughs> if not a lot if not a lot worse yeah. you know but i mean at the end of I think the- it go ahead
1: I think the thing like about e-bikes that I guess is the one thing that's different to kind of every other form of cycling is that you have a motor. So um, you kind of have, effectively you have that assistance. Um, obviously the extra weight is, is, is quite a big factor as well. Uh, certainly I've kind of, only, I've only really kind of got into it in the last year and I definitely kind of look at things and like our kind of Santa Cruz e-bikes you look at all the, the components on them, and you're thinking it's like it's stock bars, it's stock stems, it's uh, uh-huh. you know stock pedals, stock kind of group sets. Uh, you have, how long is it going to be before like those things kind of start to adapt? Like we kind of saw what you spoke about with like um, the, the the tires that you designed, and then the 29ers came out, and people were wanting those tires. The rims had to get wider, and uh-huh. you know we had the introduction of boost, and this, it's almost like the the rest of the industry has to like catch up with the, the the new standards and the new technology improvements so i think with e-bikes we're probably going to see more components uh not just tires but um you know wheels group sets brakes absolutely that's something that for me personally like if i could run heavier brakes that were more powerful mm-hmm. even on
2: a normal bike mm-hmm. i would well and to <laughs> like, your to your, um, to your point i mean there's you have a motor so you, any anything that is um, maybe a little heavier duty you have that assistance right so it's not as big of a deal um in terms of just like acceleration and and all that stuff but yeah i mean and and to, yeah it, it's already happening i mean you know our tires are already um e-bike compliant and all that we have we do all that testing in our factory um so that's not an issue we actually have an e-bike line of tires as well um which which are essentially capable of being used on an e-bike but also capable at the at the race level which is great but i mean you know there's a million different e-bike specific products on the market and some of it matters more than others tires absolutely matters um, but I mean, you can buy e-bike grips at this point. I mean, you know, so it has gotten it's gotten to that point. You know what I mean? But I mean, do you, think, mean, it, do you yeah. think
0: we're going to see? I mean, obviously, in light of what we're talking about on a sort of a weekly basis, things like the power stage, which are really technical climbs, mm-hmm. are we going to get to a point? Maybe do you think where we start to see rear tires evolve into how mm-hmm. they use because they're obviously they are pivotal in, in my case, literally often.
2: Yeah. So it's funny with an e-bike, um, you know, it's, it's pedal assist. So it's not like you're sitting there laying on the throttle. You're not feathering your clutch to power band, right? It's not like you're on a two stroke motocross bike. It's, it's, um, if only, right. If only, right. But it's, uh, it still matters. Um, the wear that we see actually is not as much about that motor-driven acceleration, which is actually like a big argument of of you know people with like in terms of like erosion on trails and things like that. We're not going in there with motorcycles. You don't have that throttle. So, likewise, the the, the tread wear is not as as bad in terms of what you would get just climbing on a regular bike. You just you just you're just basically Superman when you're riding the thing because you're, you're putting out more watts than you normally would. Right? Really, where it comes down is. Uh, the extra weight of impact and braking because, you know, you're trying to stop a whole lot more mass. So you're going to like lock up the rear wheel. You're, you know, you, you tend to do that more on an e-bike. And, and just, uh, like I said, I mean, just going through all that rough stuff, you ride a little differently. So, <clears throat> I mean, it's the kind of thing where um, I do think uh, tires will evolve for the specific niche in this way, um, and, uh, or I should say subcategory, uh where you know i've seen a lot of people emulating motocross setups where you know they're running like the mullet setup they're running like a little fatter tire in back things like that um and um it's a really kind of cool era to be in right now it feels actually like um almost like the early 90s in mountain biking where people were experimenting um it's like that all over again right now trying to say ooh like how can we maximize this with things that we have off the shelf or what if i drill a hole in this or whatever you know what i mean um they're 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 kind of experimenting in that way. And it's cool to see brands doing this. I mean, you know, seeing a brand actually launch a like a mullet bike for this purpose is actually I think exciting.
0: Um Riri, mm-hmm. we should actually just touch from your position a sports coordinator at the EWS. There is no like if somebody's come into their first uh, whether it's an EWS, EWS, E one of our EWS qualifiers this summer. I mean, obviously, part of enduro racing is you know you get frame stickers, you get wheel stickers to make sure that you're not changing stuff to make it you know as level a playing field as we can. You there's no there's no restrictions on tire choices there. And if so, what would you bring with you if you were coming as a privateer? Like how many sets of tires would you bring to a race? Oh,
1: I mean for. For EWSE, again, I think it kind of depends on the venue, but um, I'd say with the motor assist, you're worrying less about the kind of the roll speed of the tyre and more about grip. Um, You know, the liaisons we have are are pretty challenging and quite technical, so you're certainly going to want a a grippy tyre on the rear and and, and good protection for the extra weight um, and and the kind of extra forces that are put through the bike on the way down. Uh, I guess weather wise, you know, most most kind of manufacturers, I guess, like Vittoria's kind of intermediate tires, or the the Martello and the and the Maza, mm-hmm. um, and then they've got theirs at the Mo, the Motors yeah. well, which is yeah. the, the mud tire. Exactly. So, yep. You know, I th- I think it's a case okay, so of if you took a you know a pair of the the Martello uh, Maza or a kind of a combination of those two, and then a pair of Motors for the um, for if it rained or the the weather was wasn't great, then then you're pretty well covered. Um, funny story, just to, to add into this, because so, it's on my mind. I once coached a guy Ken you like this, and uh, he was riding down, and I was like amazed at the sound his bike was making, and he couldn't ride in a straight line. <laughs> and I was thinking something going on here, and then I, I went up and I felt his tire, and it was like concrete and i asked him i said i said what well, i was like jesus mate i said like, what pressure have you got in there and he said oh it said 40 to 65 psi on the side so i thought 65 would be yeah
0: wow
1: <laughs> yeah and uh and needless to say, we took about half of it out and you went a lot better. So listen, mate, I hope, you're, uh, I, hope, I hope you continue to, to run softer
2: tyres. Yeah, man, more is not always better, right? And, and that's definitely something that I think people find out the hard way with air pressure.
1: Um,
0: Ken, that's been absolutely fantastic. I've really enjoyed that. Um, will you come back and talk to us a bit later in the year? Because obviously we are... Um, we're working towards building up our own bikes for this season. I think one, if not more of them, may be on a certain ship that's currently uh, sideways I hear somewhere. I, but I hear when we get those, will you come back and talk to us and just chat through what sort of, uh, what Vittorias you'd recommend that we were on, tire pressures and stuff like that. that? Could you do that for us?
2: God, I would love to do that. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, I do that, um, you know, for a lot of athletes that I work with already, and I would love to, to, you know, help you guys out in that same way. So I'd love to come back on your show.
0: Great. Thank you very much, Kent. It's been an absolute pleasure. Um, In terms of any other business then, uh, I guess one thing that we um, talked a bit about in last week's show was Shimano. They've got a new video out called All Bodies on Bikes. Really well worth a watch. It's all about a couple of riders, Kayleigh Kornhauser and Marley Blonsky, who are working to make the bike industry, mountain biking, uh, just more inclusive and to make people rethink their preconceptions um about who rides bikes so that's well worth a watch i definitely plug that and hopefully we'll speak to you again next week and i'm going to go um browse the Victoria website and try and get a bit of a give myself as much of a head head start advantage against rury as i can in terms of tire choices i need every little i can get to be honest so rury ken thank you very much for your time and we'll speak to you next week
2: thanks guys cheers mate Thank you.